Welcome to The Savvy Founder, the one place for entrepreneurs and business owners, away from the everyday bustle, where we help you find your path to a profitable and bright future. Now here's your host, The Savvy Founder and armchair sociologist himself, Philip Topham. Hello, I'm Philip Topham, the host for The Savvy Founder. And today I'm really happy to have uh, Vareg Garbjanian in the in the studio. We're actually in the Zoom studio. Uh, we are recording, uh, and I'm really happy. Welcome. How are you doing today? Doing really great. Thanks for having me. And you uh, pronounced the last name pretty well, so thanks for taking. Good. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Thank you. I I, I practiced. <laughs> Armenian <laughs> is not my native language, so uh, you know. You have one up on me there, right? <laughs> so uh, you've got a very uh, interesting background, and I'd like to introduce the audience to you. And so you you started this new company. Uh, why don't we give a little bit about the, what the company is, and then how do you how do you came to it? So why don't you introduce your company first? Actuate. For sure, uh, Actuate is a B two B platform for deep tech companies. I started it because over the last three or four years, um, both consulting and working at um, various deep tech uh, startups, I realized how hard it was for big companies that wanted to work with smaller you know, deep tech startups and organizations to actually discover each other and, and partner together. I mean, just so many uh, layers of friction within that process from you know, discovery to awareness and interest and in actually purchasing that I thought, you know, an organization that can you know, uh, be in between um, and facilitate could really, really help. And that's the point of Actuate. Yeah. So help me understand what, what's deep tech. I mean, when you say deep tech, I always think of uh, the government and deep uh, spy uh-huh. stuff. So I don't think that's what you're talking about, but what is it? It's a good question. I think everyone has a different word for uh, a different definition for deep tech. And some people call it like emerging tech or, you know, um, I've heard, I've heard other words for it don't come to mind now, but deep tech is probably most common. And I define it as, you know, technologies that uh, are kind of at the infrastructure level. They're deeper in the tech stack. So easy way to think of that might be, you know, like a mobile app um, that let's say is a calendar app or something that's sitting on a lot of other enabling technologies, right? And um let's say, you know, a piece of computer vision uh, that is, you know, being used to enable some AR experience um, on even on still on a mobile app, that, that, that computer vision is, is considered, you know, a little bit more deep tech than um, that, for lack of a better example, that calendar app, right? And so uh, some people might, I've also heard other people say, hey, if it takes PhDs to work on it, that's when you know it's deep tech. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if I fully agree with that, but it, it kind of hints at the right idea of it being something that's uh, that's foundational. So, yeah. So, so technology that's used that's that's foundational technology that's often used in other things, right? To make them better, easier stuff. Like in for for some regards, the early days of machine learning and AI, which you're using, you know, that's deep tech, right? It 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 was in the laboratories at one point in time, people were trying to figure out how to use it. It's now become 
mainstream because they've put a lot of layers on top of it to make it user-friendly. But before it was user-friendly, it was deep tech. Is Absolutely. That, right? Absolutely. I, like the, I totally agree with that. Um, uh, I get reminded of like the internet as well, too. It's a little bit before my time when it started to get going. But, you know, at some point it was you know, people in the military and academics, right? Just sending files to each other between computers all through, you know, coding languages. And now it's way, way more than that. At some point that was <laughs> all the layers that enable it are still deep tech and uh, it started that way. Um, so I'm just really excited about that because I think it's, I think it's what's going to enable what the next internet is. And there's a lot of those candidates at actuate. I focus on a few, I could touch on that. And one is augmented reality and virtual reality, as well as, you know, machine learning, um, especially computer vision and, and robotics. Uh, so quite a few categories there we're starting with, but there's a lot of deep tech happening in each one of those, of course. Yeah, let, let's, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, but I'd like to understand, how did you discover this problem? Because it's not something I yeah. walk around the street. I'm a technology. I, I, I hear lots of people talk, but I don't think about, hey, deep tech, I, you know, so wh why is it such a huge problem? And, it's a good question. It is a little obscure uh, in the sense that you have to be in these, like, I think B2B and uh, conversations and then uh, couple that with, you know, uh, deep tech environments or industries, um, then you get, you see a lot of it, I guess. Um, I would say that it, it's a problem that uh, you face on either side of the aisle, meaning whether you're a smaller org as a startup, uh, the problems that you would face would just be a lot of different, you know, companies that might want to work with you, especially larger ones. Um, but, you know, because there's just not, not a lot of, you know, BD talent in that space as a founder, especially it's hard for you to figure out who to work with, why, how does it really, how do the products and the technologies come together is a, is a big piece of friction. So if I have this piece of machine learning, how is it going to plug into this broader system, right? Uh, that's just a tough friction point as well too. But all the other, you know, parts of a enterprise level type deal overcomplicated as well too, right? And then there's a whole host of other problems on the enterprise side as well. Um, namely that they don't know exactly what they want as they start to reach out. So you have a lot of people talking, what's oftentimes not a lot of action. Yeah, right? so, so, so let, yeah. let me understand this. So, so what I think you said is yeah. you, because of the, where you had come from, you had a lot of opportunity to speak to larger companies and hear some of their issues that they had, is Absolutely. It, right? And so you, in, in, the, in your, like what I call your personal feasibility space, your personal space, your personal connections, your, your, you know, where you happen to be, that was yeah. sort of the, the conversation. And that's not a conversation. So how did you get into position to have those kinds of conversations? What was your, where do you, where's your history from, right? Maybe that's a good place to, you know. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, most of that, I would say, came from over the last six years. It started at Applied Materials, which is a huge semiconductor shop in, uh, in Silicon Valley. Um, you know, just hearing those conversations, working on investment deals, and um, also just looking at the ecosystem and how different companies partner together. I would say it got even more intense when I was started to work at Clay. And uh, Clay is, if I didn't mention already, a computer vision deep tech company. And that introduced me to a whole world 
of huge companies uh, where a lot of these conversations would be happening, um, not just around, you know, hand tracking gesture, but a lot of times would be fitting into a project where, hey, there's like three other kinds of deep tech in here as well. Right? <clears throat> and then watching one company try to bring that all together and uh, call after call, meeting after meeting, you get exposed to some of the same questions, friction points and challenges. Um, and so it gets, you know, it's, it's a unique place to be, unique place to sit. Right. So, yeah. So, so yeah. for, for the audience, you, you, you might yeah. say, Hey, you know, uh, just let me put it in a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Wherever you're personal, and this is for the audience, if, wherever you're at, if you're really paying attention to what's going around you, there's probably issues and problems all over the place. And, and the people in the industry won't see it. And what Farrakh's saying is you were in an industry, you had access to a lot of people. They were complaining about something, right? in a general sense, and you were smart enough to say, hey, they're complaining about this. Here's an opportunity, right? Yeah, let me, let me, I can maybe for the folks who are thinking about starting something or already have, I mean, uh, for me, there was a moment of, I really know I want to start something. And uh, I tried a lot of different stuff. I tried prototyping different things. At a certain point, I sat down to myself and said, what is a problem that I have and what is a problem that people around me that I know professionally, especially in my network have. Right. Uh, and I literally drew like a Venn diagram and I was like, what is in common? What is the common set of problems there? Yeah. Um, and then I also asked like the question, what do I love to do? What excites me about the future? What would the future version of me be happy um, to said, you know, he worked on. And when I combine those together, that's where I landed on this. So that that's really nice. What would the future version of me be happy doing? That's that's really important. Get you out of bed every morning. Yeah, uh, that's super important. I think. Yeah, I've 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 worked on things uh, where I thought like, oh yeah, this is enough of a cool idea to work on, and like it'll. Uh, but starting companies is so hard. Um, you have to like dig deep. I think, in my opinion, to find the reason why you should be working on this particular thing. If it's not, you know, only go as deep as your, uh, your convictions are, you know? So, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I pose this question to you. I, I sometimes think being an entrepreneur of that level uh, of, of any thing is, is like being an artist, right? You're going to build something, you're going to solve a problem and you're doing it for your passion and whether or not people really, really, really like your art, you know, that's what you hope for, but you're taking all the risk, right? You're taking the journey to take the risk to build a company and you might build a company, you know, too early or too late. Right. And so you have to be willing so to, to, to do that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cause you, you know, looking at your background, you had worked at, at Mucker labs, right? So yeah. Yeah. How did that, why do you first make sure everybody knows what Bucker labs is and, you know, give them an explanation. And then what did you learn there that influenced uh, what you're doing now? <laughs> Good question. Mucker is a VC firm out in Santa Monica. Um, when I joined them, they were smaller than they are now. They've been growing and they have an accelerator lab called Mucker labs. That is one of the top ones that are out there in the U S uh, Mucker is like the, at that time, um, they're branding themselves as, um, they might still be as well as like kind of blue collar VC. So it's actually the kind of the opposite of deep tech in a way. They were looking at, what do we take technologies that are uh, just already very mature and ready and apply them into, into new use cases and markets. 
Um, but for me, what I learned there was it, it kind of two things. I think I learned a little bit about what, how an investor looks at uh, new opportunities. That's, that's really important, I think. And then secondly, I think it sharpened um, my sense of like, hey, it's not just deep tech. Like we have to, at the end of the day, deep tech is only as valuable as like how it can be used. Right. So um, seeing these two ends of the spectrum, like really, you know, uh, I think sharpened your point of view. So, yeah. So, so what do you, uh, what do you mean? How did they look at it? So how did they look at it? That's a good question. Um, so uh, the way that we would look at it there uh, at the time was it's kind of, you know, typical now. I think it's become pretty commonplace, I think, in the materials that you see out on investing and stuff, but we were looking always at market size, how uh, big is the market, um, how fast is it growing of to where this you know particular venture is trying to operate. That's like really important because uh, sometimes if a market is growing fast enough, not a very exciting project can still do decent. <laughs> right. Happen. And then the the you know the second thing we're looking at is you know what is the you know what is the product um, and how is it differentiated, um, from what's already out there? More important, I think, than differentiation was how is it solving a, you know, a, that market's need or the customers in that market? Uh, how is it, what unmet needs, right? Is it, is it meeting? And then from there, like you're looking at team and if the team is the right team to align, uh, to what's required to like, you know, nail that product, or if it's, um, it could be like a, you know, a marketing type of company, but are they the right people uh, to hit that venture? Then the answer to all those things, you know, are yes. Then typically it's going to, you know, at least be approved, like looked at by all the other partners. Right. So uh, it starts off with like one partner, you know, one associate, one partner. Uh, and then if they like those things check off and usually moves to like all of them. Right. Right, right. Yeah. So, so see if you agree with this, uh, you know, mm -hmm. sort of summary of, of how I characterize that, you know, the investment firms are, are just like anybody investing in, in stocks or bonds. They have their way of looking at, at markets, right? Some people invest in uh, agricultural, they'll say, hey, this is a good segment for the next five years. Uh, this is uh, transportation. This is consumer goods. They're all looking like that. But when it comes to tech, technology is changing the way we do business like faster and faster and faster, right? So they're trying to pick which technology has the shortest, like the fastest growth curve, like it's the most pent up demand for that space, right? Which sector is the hot sector? And, and that's sort of the, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to have a risky investment anyway, let's risk it in the hottest segment rather than the dullest segment. That's, that's a typical strategy. Is that fair? Yeah, it's pretty fair uh, from what I've seen of all like investor types. Um, I won't speak on behalf of Mucker too much in that way. I mean, yeah, yeah. they were always like, literally, what is the least technical risk at the time? I had nothing to do with tech, technical. It was just totally, but I mean, those are product management guys, as far as I see. Sure, that's that's really powerful. So, so with that, you know, and and actuate. Mm -hmm. So, where's where's the hype curve in the deep tech? So, where's that industry going? You know, what's mm -hmm. the strategy there? It's a really good, um, 
really good question. I'm trying to keep my eyes on which technologies that I'm speaking to and that I'm trying to cover within this platform, um, where are they being used, right? And like right. at what rates? Um, so I, uh, the two spaces that I would say I'm most familiar with are like AR, VR, and computer vision um, and some robotics and stuff, right? And um, I'm, I'm definitely excited about uh, AR and VR. I think that that's a market that has gone through a lot over the last 10 years. And um, right now we're turning a corner in that market and I've seen it firsthand and it's really exciting. And so, um, especially even like in consumer virtual reality where that would be considered the most difficult, I think we're turning a corner. So, um, and then also, also in like computer vision, um, excited about that too, because uh, there's some there's some inflection points that are happening with this the the amount of compute and stuff that we have out in the market and uh, just the how many cameras are actually out there in different places and you know wireless and you know the um, the cloud the edge all that stuff edge servers and edge compute I mean it's really it's pretty exciting what could be done today with some pretty basic cameras just put in the right spots. Yeah, uh, you just couldn't do with AI um, five years ago. I mean, I literally see it. I've seen it at Clay as well too. I mean, I've seen what a little more compute can do. It's pretty, pretty impressive. So yeah, so yeah. we're so we're on that huge growth curve because there's a lot of base technologies going, and we're ready to take off. Is what you're what you're saying in that space? Really? Yeah, I really think so. It's pretty cool, um, and it's interesting to watch like year over year how it changes. It seems like it's slow, but uh, when you're really, really in it, but it's, it's actually pretty fast when you zoom out. Yeah. Now I'm the, I'm the, in what you're trying to build with actuate and would you consider yourself a, a, a non-technical founder or a technical founder? You, you, you certainly know the market, right? But you're building some pretty impressive tech to, to accomplish this, right? I would consider myself um, a non-technical founder. Um, I say that because I'm not someone who regularly works within the technology to build new things. That's okay. not that's not me. Right. Um, but I do understand how different technologies come together. I've been in part of a lot of technical um, technologies and, and their developments. I've been around engineers who build them and help them have helped troubleshoot through things. Um, but uh, yeah, at this point, it's more of enabling those technologies in the marketplace. And so to start off, we don't need a whole lot of sophisticated technology to do that. Mm -hmm. I think we're just trying to use basic web and stuff right now and um, prototyping that uh, basically to see how we can facilitate things um, in a quicker way when it comes to business development with these kinds of companies at some point um you could think of it as like a as like a marketplace right and but at some point um it will become more technically complex uh, with more data collection and you know plugging in different data sources and starting to use ai uh in in some cool ways to to you know remove even more friction right um, from from businesses doing business together so uh, but not there yet so That'll, that'll come. Yeah, I, I can. I 
absolutely can see the world supply chain for technologies and putting things together, you know, all these sort of very sophisticated Legos, right? Lego toys, right? It's a little piece of technology, right? And you you have all this, I, I could just picture that when, if you've ever had a Lego kit, they have all the little pieces, they're all different sizes, they're, and, and your technology that you're putting on your marketplace is kind of like that. Here's all the different technology. You, Mr. Creative Person, can, can select, build whatever you want. Oh, and you're missing a Lego piece. Let me go find it for you. <laughs> Yeah, that's you've explained it probably better than I ever have so far. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. That's really great. Uh, yeah, don't worry, don't, don't, don't worry. Yeah. Just, 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 you know, just double, <laughs> d- double my pay. That's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? No, that's really, that's really, really wise. I mean, that's really, truly what it is. It's like I, and I think uh, last time you and I were speaking about that a bit. Uh, it, there is like a pl- proliferation of those kinds of technologies that are just happening, right? I think uh, the number of companies being formed per year is just exploding especially in these kinds of markets and so it's 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 hard makes it harder it's exciting but it makes it harder to just assemble all those right in the right place in the right time and facilitate it uh in an easier way so that's what i like to work on yeah and so you've been at you launched actuate what six months ago if i recall correctly We're working on it for like the last six months and recently um, announced it and launched it to take some, you know, early customers just a couple weeks ago. So, congratulations! Yeah. Thank you. Oh, oh, good. In that period of time, uh, did the reality, you know, when you said, "Hey, I'm going to do this," um, did what happened? You know, did it, did reality meet your expectations, or did you have some twists and turns there? Uh. It's a really good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm good for that. Uh, I would say, hmm. I would say it's like, you know, I've been around enough like entrepreneurs and talked to them enough to just know how difficult it can be. And so I don't have super, don't have like super, super high expectations of like, um, Oh my God, I'm going to start this company and all of a sudden it's going to explode in like uh, success overnight. Yeah. Never yeah. expected that. But I think, um, yeah, all this that I'm doing, you know, so far and uh, all the conversations I've had and all the stuff I've been working on, um, it's, it's about like what I, what I expected it would be. Um, so I haven't been like too shocked yet, I would say. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. But, but again, you, you, you've, you've been around a lot of the startup kind of thing, projects of that sort. And you probably know a lot of engineers and a lot of engineering companies and departments within that space. Right. So can we talk about a little bit, you know, what your tech company, but what portion of your tech company do you think is, is people like relationships and such? Is that, a big party. Yeah. 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 I think it's going to start that way. So I'm a, like, I'm a believer in, although I love deep tech, like I said, I've also been like shaped by some of the principles of, of product management uh, and, uh, and business. So I'm starting this as more of uh, not tech first, right. Uh, in the sense of like the technology that I would want to build internally to facilitate right. this. Um, 
I'm more people first, right? So like, let's just, let's just get projects going um, and uh, make it like do it in a, in a analytical way and with frameworks in such a way that we can test validate and from there use that to drive the requirements of the software that would enable this in a more frictionless way. And so I think that that's like a little bit of a, of a different approach than what a lot of times you see out there where people just you know get together, they start building technology. So it's a, it's a, it's a balance, right? Without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah starting yeah. a little more people first. Yeah, no, I, I totally respect that. And I think that's, that's wise, especially with such a product as you're doing, uh, it's you're, it's not a consumer product where you can just build a, a few little screens and somebody's going to go click and, and give you a, a few bucks in the, the app store, which is getting harder and harder. Uh, but mechanically it's easy to, to accomplish. Right. And in your case, you, you really haven't have those deep relationships to understand what their problem is and build that trust. Right. And then you can start prototyping the R&D, you know, the sort of yep. pilot projects to do R&D about exactly what the customers want, right? You know, how much of the value chain do they want? Because there's a, there's a lot, right? You know? Yes, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So it's, it's a good point you bring up. There are some principles. I, I still think that from the, you know, the consumer application, even like a mobile app, and how you would go about building that today. I could still use a B2B type software, which is what this is. Yep. Um, but just to even have a, a starting point of what that looks like, I think requires like years of being in these conversations, you know, and having these relationships and having these, hearing the challenges and challenges and experiencing them. So that's like a good starting point, but even then we could use some of these, you know, techniques with prototyping, user experience studies, and put it in front of people and and see what they say. But um, I'm not going to lie. To go from a point of hey, I'm, I'm a big enterprise looking for a very specific piece of, you know, robotics technology, let's say, uh, and then to the point of actually signing an agreement with them has a lot of steps. Right. right. So right. I'm not going to pretend to do all of those up, up, up at once. I'm starting with just the, uh, you got to pick which problem you're starting with in that. Right. And then expand. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's where yeah, we're at. That, exactly. Yeah. And, and for, for any of the audience, that, that's a, that's a key point is there's a generic problem in the industry of getting the technology and ultimately they want the technology in their product. Right. So it's a huge chain and you're focusing on the first part of it. They're discovering the technology, right? And eventually sure. they'll, there's all the processes of adding it to their, you know, figuring out how to buy it, how to license it, how to stick it in their technology. That, that's other stuff. So you've got your beachhead, if you know, to use that term, you've got your beachhead figured out. Uh, that's pretty neat. That's, that's good, for, good for you. So let's, let's now spend a little time of uh, maybe geeking out a little bit in VR, AR and robotics. So, you know, what's, what am I going to see tomorrow? What's, what's coming down the pipeline with a VR and AR? What's uh, what, what are we, what are we going to see next? Good question. Good question. Okay. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll start with the virtual reality side. Um, what you're going to see, I think, is I like to talk about each of these technologies in terms of like enterprise and consumer, especially in AR and VR. So we look at it. 
On the virtual reality side for a consumer, uh, we're starting to see an inflection point in the, in the industry, especially with uh, the traction that Facebook is getting. And so we think there's going to be a lot more units sold year over year coming uh, and uh, the content is going to get better, right? So the last five years or so has really just been, um, you know, an indie type of studios, putting some really cool projects together, but doesn't have like too much uh, broad applicability to like large consumer base. I think that's changing. So with the number of install base that's going up year over year, uh, just the ROIs are going to make a little bit more sense for some of these gaming studios and other you know media companies with really awesome IP to enter the market. So you'll be able to do some cool stuff like you know watch live concerts, watch like an NBA game, something like that courtside, right? Or play like a game you would have otherwise played on an Xbox within a VR experience, uh, really cool. On the enterprise side, uh, all this stuff, some of this is already happening, but simulations, training, uh, it's just, it's, it's a space that's very consistently been growing and is really awesome to watch and see. And um, I think that that's gonna continue. Uh, and some of the technologies that we're experimenting with are on the enterprise side. They're just kind of trickling down to consumer. Like you've seen on other computing platforms in the past. So devices will always be getting better, like just to speak to the technologies a little bit, like richer displays, right? Uh, no screen door effects, just like really high pixel density displays, um, lighter devices overall, better battery life, um, comfort where there isn't you know, a ton of weight on the front part of your head, uh, hand tracking, other kinds of perception technologies, object recognition, these things are all, all coming. And I gave a, a talk about that recently about how those will flow kind of over time and which ones will drive adoption. And on the AR side, what's fascinating is, is that the, you know, the, the tech is getting better and better. It's exciting. Uh, it's not ready for consumer yet, you know, for, true like augmented mixed reality with a pair of glasses. Um, but what is coming more so, and everyone's excited for is like what Apple might be releasing, right? In the consumer augmented reality world. Uh, it likely won't be mixed reality, but just some like you know, kind of heads up display functionality. And there's some technical reasons for like for that, but we wanna keep the form factors looking good. And that's what I think the market is somewhat ready for. Uh, probably will be like uh, three to five years probably five years until there is a device that uh, looks like those pair of simple glasses, uh, but can actually do true mixed reality, meaning it's synthetic content that's mixed into your reality that recognizes planes and, you know, your 3d scenes and things like that. Right. So, yeah. Real nice. Yeah. So, so if we, if somebody was listening and they were real interested in VR, AR, and they thought they wanted to build a tech company in that space, what advice would you give them today? You know, is it just big players or can I be a small company and get, get involved and in, in make a difference? That's a good, really good question. Uh, I think that um, in the AR, VR market today, there is a lot of big players that are still dominating it more than I would have imagined. Every time there's been a new computing platform, there's been a shift 
in the ecosystem of players. If you think about like, you know, the smartphone era, Nokia was like the leading device maker. And then, you know, they were kind of nowhere to be found. I don't see that playing out the same way here. So it's really hard to be a small player. Uh, but I do think there's pockets where you can play and still and do pretty well. So um, if you wanted to build um, some of these upcoming technologies, kind of like what Clay is doing, right? Like we're right there, we're building an enabling piece of deep tech for this market. There's still some room there. So if you're doing some object recognition and something like that, you can play in that space. People are looking for those kinds of you know, new deep tech in, that, in those markets. It's a more of a beauty play. Um, where it might be a little bit easier, it doesn't require as much quote unquote deep tech in a sense, but if you wanted to build some content, right? So if you're building, you know, let's say training applications and virtual reality, you pick a particular market, let's say the automotive market, you go after that and build some really awesome uh, applications and content for those kinds of companies to train their employees. I and mean, that's, there is, there's definitely opportunities there to plug in and you need the skills of a Unity developer and a good product manager and a good salesperson. And you can uh, start to make, you know, some good, decent MRR and ARR like that, I think. So. Very nice. Yeah. So um, wonderful advice. It, it, it's, it's, uh, um, I guess I'm a little disappointed to hear that the the big players are dominating the <laughs> delivery because uh, I want to see more and more startups. Uh, I'd rather see ten thousand one million dollar companies than one you know billion dollar company. I, I just think that's more robust for the economy. Uh, but still, creating all these technologies, I think, will play out in other ways. I think they'll they'll give rise to new tools that will allow people to create new things. So it might be one of those enabling technologies that then spurs on a whole new way of doing business. So I look forward to that. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, with, with, uh, you know, we're, as we kind of sort of come to the wrapping up a little bit here, I mean, I can't believe the time has, has been flying by. <laughs> What uh, what would you have said? Uh, you know, looking back at where you're at now, you're you're six months into actuate. You're getting out there, talking to people, uh, landed a few customers. Excellent, fantastic. That's great for you. What advice would you have wished you could have given to your younger self? Like, if you could turn back, you said, "Hey, if I'd done this, I would be better prepared today." Is there anything, or or you think uh, is just a natural? journey and you you ended up here is there anything that would have shortened your path that's a oh, good yeah. question uh, yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i get good questions you know <laughs> <laughs> i told you i wouldn't stump you too bad but you know i guess i did stump you a little bit you know. uh, that's all good i think i think that uh i i knew for a very long time i wanted to start my own company uh i was the type of person who wanted to de-risk that a little bit and learn some things along the way, um, working at other great organizations to prepare myself. Right. Uh, but as I've jumped into it and I see what uh, it takes to do it correctly. Right. Um, there really is no, you know, and people told me this, but I ignored them. There, there isn't really any other preparation other than just doing it. Right. Uh, because you can read about it, reading about it just doesn't stick that well. 
right? I went to, you know, great courses and classes. It just doesn't stick the same way as doing it. And by the way, the, the knowledge is changing so quickly. Like if you're just talking about digital marketing, like, my God, I mean, it's changing every like, you know, month to month, it changes every day. It changes. Right. So what you learned last year just doesn't apply. So if I can go back to my younger self, um, I didn't think that before I thought it's better to, to learn elsewhere. You learn one thing at a time. And yeah, I've learned cool things about different roles over the last 10 years or more. Uh, but you kind of have to relearn it all again in some sense once you jump into this, right? And so when you realize that uh, starting your own thing is, is is hard, it takes a lot of effort, um, you never really can totally be prepared. And I didn't really realize that. But there's, look, there's a, there's also been pros to, to, uh, to doing a little bit later as well. Uh, I've chosen to work on something that I've learned to, I've come to enjoy. So I know a lot of people who are already working on it. I've built a little bit of a network, right? Um, so those, those are great too. And I didn't have, if I tried to do that seven years ago, it would have been harder in that regard. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the, um, you know, it, it, there's, I really appreciate your honesty for sharing that because, because there's no, there's no right or wrong. But what I hear you saying is you you knew you wanted to start up. You were a student of, of the world and of life. Right. Mm -hmm. And really have a sense now though, of, of purpose of why you were doing something. And perhaps when you were younger, you probably would have, you know, jumped in and and floundered a little bit and found out, hey, you're building something and then you don't really like what you're building. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you're you're a little bit more, uh, a little bit more maturity for that. And that's, that's, you know, everybody does their own journey. And one of the things about this, the show that I'm trying to make sure people understand is everybody has their own journey, right? Especially in the startup world, right? And I just don't like when one entrepreneur compares themselves to some other entrepreneur, right? Oh, well, he did that. I should be able to do that. No, everybody has different experiences, different life perspective. As long as we can help each other, like if you, you know, trip, you raise your hand, I need help. I want other entrepreneurs to help entrepreneurs. And then we can all succeed together, but no two entrepreneurs have the same journey, right? So true. Yeah. Especially because timing is just so, Timing is an important thing too. And it's um, for both yourself and in, in the market you're working with. And it's something you don't have too much control over. Right. Um, I've seen it like, in, especially in deep tech companies. Yeah. There is uh, like, I look at, I look at clay. I look at the demand for it three years ago versus today. And it's just, it's, it's a completely different story, you know? So it's, timing is key. So yeah, we can't judge each other too much. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I recall yeah. sitting in uh, in my biology degree, my biology class way back when in the dark ages, and having completed a genetics uh, course, and I said, "Hey, I want to be a process engineer for genetics. You know, build the build the factory that scales up all these wonderful new biologics can be created." The problem with that was that vision was before Amgen was ever created. So I was way ahead of my time. Of course, you can have these great ideas, but if they're not in the right time, right place, they just don't go anywhere. And that's something, uh, timing is, is really important and being aware. And, and so appreciate you sharing that. Really thankful. So uh, it's been wonderful. Our time has been, it's just flown by. So it's been it a pleasure. Yeah. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Varric. So how, how do people get in touch with you? What, what do you, do you want yeah. to get in touch with you? Do you have a, yeah, you send me your website. 
please. You can find me on uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, that's that's a really easy way. Uh, I'll, I'll put e- it in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And my email is my first name at actuatetech.co. Or you can go to the website, uh, actuatech.io. All that, all that works. Um, please feel free to reach out if like, you're someone who's interested in the service or if you're someone who just wants to talk about you know, starting something in the early stages of it and sharing notes, feel free. So, so AR, VR, robotics, deep tech, uh, you need help trying to find the right technology, give Eric a call. He'll be more help, happy to help you. So... Thank you very much, Varig. Uh, this is Phil Topham, Savvy Founder, wishing everybody a bright and profitable future in both your personal and business lives. Take care. Be sure to subscribe and give a five-star review. Tune in next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and check out our website for tips, thesavvyfounder.com. You can also follow Philip on Clubhouse at The Savvy Founder, wishing you a profitable and bright future. Safe journeys. See you next week.